a spider bite, an ordinary teenager, and an all-new Marvel Universe. This is Ultimate Spider-Man. Welcome to First Read Ultimate Spider-Man, where we'll be breaking down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth-1610. I'm your host, Zach. Hey, and I'm John. And we are going to be taking you on this ride, starting today with issue 1, the beginning of Peter Parker's journey, all the way through to the end, at the end of this iconic 11-year run of comics uh john how are you feeling oh i'm feeling great i have to say zach you've got like such a such a beautiful podcast voice i would never know that this was your episode one this sounds like episode 100 to me oh i thank you john and you're such a refined co-host i also (laughs) feel like you just jumped off of a much bigger much more professional pod to come slum it up with me yeah yep that's the pod my cats and i do Yeah. So we have already recorded an episode zero that is not exactly related to what we're going to be covering today. Um, But for anyone who missed that, John, do you want to give a little introduction about yourself and uh, why we're doing this project? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm John, as you guys know, uh, and I'm a middle school teacher and we're doing this because well, it's fun to talk about Spider-Man. So Zach asked me for an opportunity to talk about Spider-Man, and I had to jump on that. And then I know Zach is a pretty big fan of um, this Ultimate Spider-Man run, and I've never read it before. So so I'm going to get to experience that with him. Yes. So this is a comfort read for me that I am revisiting, and John is a Spider-Man fan, but not a regular comics reader. So this run has been praised for how easy it is to jump right into for new fans and new readers. Um, It's going to be his first read. If it's your first read, welcome along for the ride. That's all part of the fun here. Everyone is welcome, whether you love this stuff or whether you're just getting exposed to it now. Excellent. Well said. And I know I, I shared a little bit about myself, my profession, and you know I've got I've got two cats and two dogs with my beautiful wife Elizabeth. I don't know Zach if you want to share anything about yourself. Yeah, sure. I am a government employee. I uh, have a beautiful wife named Shyla, and we have two kitty cats as well, um, Storm and Rogue, named after the X Men. Amazing. I wonder if we're going to get to any X Men content in this pod. Oh. Well, maybe maybe not in this one, but we call that a tease. Yes, yes. Stick around for future episodes, folks. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, sh- should we should we hop into this? Yes. Now that introductions are done, let's get into issue number one of Ultimate Spider-Man. So this issue was written by Bill Jemis and Brian Michael Bendis. It was penciled by Mark Bagley inked by Art Tibet, covered by Steve Bucolato, and lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicraft. And it opens with Norman Osborn, 
a scientist and businessman. He's talking in a lab with another businessman. And I don't know about you, John, but um, I felt like you instantly get the impression he's a bad guy. He's very arch. He's like referencing Greek mythology and he's arrogant. He's demanding and rude to his employees. A hundred percent. And without without looking it up, did you know the Greek story of Arachne and Athena? Because that's the story he's talking about. Yeah, no. So I I can't say I did other than just from having read this issue before. Do you have some insight about that? No, I don't. I'm sure I'm sure I looked it up, but but that has uh, gone out of my head at this point. So please, I was asking, so I was hoping you would tell me about it. Well, the reason he's talking about it is because, according to him, the you know Greek story ends with um, Arachne being turned into a spider, and he's holding up a spider in his hand, and um, he's been experimented on. The spider has been experimented on testing a product he calls Oz. And so when he's done with it, we see him try and throw it into a beaker and the spider starts crawling out of it. Then from there, we are introduced to Peter Parker, a teenager who is studying in the food court of a mall. It's kind of established that he's bullied um, because other teens are throwing food at him. (laughs) His uncle Ben shows up and picks him up and we're introduced to another teen in the food court uh, named Mary Jane Watson. Uncle Ben asks Peter why Mary Jane and Peter were not sitting together. But at this point, we, the readers aren't quite sure what the nature of their relationship is. At Peter's school, we're introduced to Harry Osborne, who's Norman's son. It's clear that Harry is popular and tries to help Peter with his bullies in exchange for help with Harry's homework. But he doesn't try too hard. He kind of uh, justifies it as the politics of being him. Um, Later, we see Peter in gym class uh, get the idea that he's um, unathletic and bad at basketball. So I think he's meant to be kind of uh, relatable to most comic book readers. And and I don't. I don't know exactly how much you want me jumping in here during your summary because I don't want to throw off your flow. But oh, whenever you um, want, whenever you have something to say, please jump in. Yeah, so I I think that this did a really good job. Even your recap, it kind of shows how quickly they they get us familiar with all the characters. And I mean, obviously, at this point, there's been like 40 years of Spider-Man comics, right? It like started in the 60s, and now we're in the early 2000s. So most people probably know who like Mary Jane Watson is or Harry Osborn or Norman Osborn. But really quickly, if I never knew any of that, I would kind of know the relationship of, of Mary Jane and Peters or the, the nature of their relationship. I'd kind of know who Harry Osborn is. And that, like you said, Norman Osborn is probably a villain. You know, we open on him and he's kind of doing villainous things already. Uh, and you would know Peter Parker is the world's biggest nerd, which he always is getting food thrown at him in a food court as, as your introduction to him. Oh yeah. Classic teen bullying. Yeah. Did that ever happen to you? Food relating related bullying. Um, so I didn't, 
I didn't have anything thrown at me, but there for a while in high school, I was just like super nice and would like offer to take other people's trays up at the end of lunch for them. (laughs) And that turned into hazing and it turned into like my entire long table of people all giving me their trays. And I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) this isn't me being the nice guy anymore. That's kind of of on you though. Yeah. Yeah. Offered. So (laughs) I made myself the joke. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I had maybe a little bit of food thrown at me a couple of times in high school. You know, really, it's part of being a nerd in high school. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yes. Not nothing too bad. Nothing Peter Parker ish. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't. You know, I pray none of us ever go through the stuff he goes through in his little fictional world. <laughs> So later on at home, we are introduced to Peter's Aunt May. She's worried that Peter has social anxiety, but Ben says he's just quiet and thoughtful. Uh, While studying with Harry, Peter tells him that his parents died in a plane crash. And um, he also tells Harry that he and Mary Jane are just friends. So we're starting to piece together that he's an orphan. Um, Maybe he likes this girl, but they're not dating. And his parents died in a plane crash, which you know in fictional media always means there's more to the story. (laughs) The next day, uh, the students of Midtown High are on a field trip to Osborne Industries. This is Norman's company. Uh, Suddenly, Peter is bitten by a spider on the back of the hand, and one of his bullies named Kong stomps on the spider as Peter collapses to the floor, throws up, and blacks out. And and when you say suddenly he is bitten by a spider, it is very sudden. There's no fanfare at all, I seem to remember. I mean, he's one second they're just on a field trip, and the next second he is completely bit by a spider. Oh, yeah, you don't even see it like coming down on a web or anything. It's as sudden for you as it would have been for him. Yeah, yeah, which, which I really liked because we've seen it before. We kind of know what's going to happen they don't need to show the spider coming down and, and walking across and jumping up on him. Yeah. Um, so after finding out about Peter's accident, Norman and his associates discuss what to do. They are considering uh, preparing a legal defense in case the Parkers sue, but Norman decides to pay Peter's doctor's bill and send a fruit basket because he says, I want to keep an eye on that boy. The next day, Peter's bullies are teasing him about the spider bite. Kong tries to kick Peter in the butt, but Peter senses the foot coming, catches it, and flips Kong on his back like a WWE fight. He then passes out again and wakes up in the hospital. He gets his blood taken, but the sample is like stolen and replaced by a mysterious figure. We then see Norman Osborne and his cronies observing Peter's blood sample, and they determine that the Oz is actually killing him, and his death will be traced back to their company. So to avoid this, they decide they need to kill him and make it look like an accident. So Norman Osborne sends a hitman to try and run Peter down with a car, and Peter just jumps over it, like backflips over it with, without seeing it coming, like in uh, that scene in Spider-Man 2. After hearing about how he did this, Norman decides that he wants to let Peter live so that he can observe him. And Peter figures out by the end of this first issue 
that the spider bite transferred some powers to him. And in the middle of the night, he can't sleep and he tries to test his powers. He climbs up the bedroom walls. And while he's hanging upside down from the ceiling, he just says, cool. And that's the end of the first issue. John, what'd you think about this one? Really good. Really good. Very cinematic. Even right away, I think you could tell this was a much more uh, like cinematic type of story than just a one issue kind of one off like we read in the last ones where they were just doing his origin story, getting it started. Now you can see they're really building to an entire story. Um, So I like this one a lot. I, I don't I don't have a rating system for it yet. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll hit you back for that rating system later on. (laughs) John, you want to walk us through what happens in issue two? Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I want it. I have some stuff to add to to issue one. And and maybe this is where I could just jump in a little bit more while you were doing the summary. But, um, you know, even the gym coach early on is berating Peter Parker for being a huge dork and being bad at basketball. Uh, This I thought was very similar and it must be an interesting experience for you watching the Spider-Man movies, having seen these things in the comics, because now I look at it from the other way and things happen in these comics and I'm like, Oh, that happened in this movie. They were referencing Uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Like Peter's parents, dying during a plane crash very similar to andrew garfield's spider-man movies um uh and i know and i know that there's parts in the next couple issues that we're going to talk about that are also very similar to the andrew movies um so that's just that's that's not an easter egg but it's kind of a fun little thing where i'm like oh this in the movies these were easter eggs towards all of this stuff um Oh yeah, you'll find that a lot about the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is based off of this run. Yeah, yeah, which I which which I like. I liked uh, Andrew Garfield's movies a lot. But yeah, Norman Osborn Osborn tries to kill Peter. That's that's uh, that's fun. You know, normally he's not really a bad guy till he turns into the Green Goblin, and now he's obviously kind of a bad guy already. We know his relationship with Harry isn't as good as maybe it could be. Yeah, he's kind of a dick to him. Yeah, but we can um we can go into this issue too. Uh I've got I've got a summary for us. So we open on Peter Parker. He's sitting in class trying to stay under control while his teacher and I said Ferris Bueller's teacher is babbling on. So he was talking about something. Do you happen to remember what it was? Yes, it's literally the teacher monologue from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's oh, about, is it? Yes, that's um, I forget the actor's name, but uh, ben, that's literally ben what Stein. Ben. Yes, it's what Ben Stein is saying in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, talking about like the Great Depression, right? Wow, that that's really funny because I I I didn't know that, but I just the way he was talking it reminded me of that, and I didn't actually realize that 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 he was saying the exact same things. So it doesn't even fully play as correct in this book because, uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he says Vice President Bush, 
because it was the 80s, right? In this monologue, they still keep in there, Vice President Bush. But that doesn't make any sense because oh, this would have been funny. 2000. So it's it's like so true to the original like Ben Stein monologue that it, it kind of makes no sense in its own context. But I love it. Oh, wow. That's really funny. Yeah, I do like that a lot. And um, so also issue two. Uh, so that's how we so, open. Sorry, real it quick. Is... Yep. So, sorry. I, I'm i going to um, attribute the uh, creative That is what teams. I was about to do. Okay, I'm sorry. You no, can just say okay. this is you can just say this is the same creative team as um issue 1. So, this is the same creative team as issue 1, although one thing I did notice is this is edited by Ralph Macchio. Did you notice that? That's not the Karate Kid. I know. I no relation, but I did have to look that up just to make sure. Yeah, there's a Ralph Macchio who's been at Marvel for decades and Yeah. It's always funny when, you know, his name comes up in conversation because that's the first thing everyone oh, says. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I would have been so, so psyched to have looked that up and seen it was the same one. But <laughs> um, so Peter's trying to stay under control. His teacher is blabbering on and then he breaks his desk and um, everyone like, kind of like he spazzes out like he doesn't yeah. even mean to break his desk, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of loses control in in class. So, and Zach, you can always jump in with, with any additions to the summary here in case I'm skipping something. Uh, but so then they're back in gym class and now Peter has his powers. So he's become pretty good at basketball, um, which similar to the Andrew Garfield movies, um, you know, he embarrasses Flash Thompson playing basketball, which is a really nice scene. Uh, and there's kind of a little combo scene of Flash trying to beat him up and he's dodging Flash's punches like the Tobey Maguire movie. So I know I already said it's very interesting getting to see these back and be like, oh my gosh, they were really doing things in those movies that it's not just they were following a specific story. They were really kind of following exact themes that happened in the comics, which, which I, I think is really cool. You know, and I'm sure it's something that the people who have read the comics, when they see it in the movie, they, you know, get to like point at the screen and do the Leonardo DiCaprio mo uh, meme and be like, I know what that is. Yes, I understood that reference. Yeah. Um. So they play basketball. He embarrasses Flash. Then he goes to a warehouse and starts testing out his powers. Once again, very similar to the Andrew, Andrew uh, Garfield movie. And then we get to see Doc Ock, um, who's also working at Oscorp. Really like the world building in this. We get to see what everybody's kind of doing. Yeah, were um, you surprised to see him that early? A hundred percent. I like couldn't believe it, and I and I can't decide if it's like, oh, they're just throwing everybody in there at once just to be like, and now Doc Ock's in this, and Norman Osborn's in this, and or if I like that. Because this whole story involves all of these people getting their powers. So we should see all of them, you know. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Are they including too many villains like at once? Just so we can be like, oh my gosh, there's Doc Ock. Or is it is it more like just good world building for you? Well, first of all, I think it's interesting that that's kind of your take. I mean, you're not wrong that they now have, you know 
Spidey and Norman and Doc Ock all introduced. And it's been two episodes. Two issues, yeah. Two issues, yeah, sorry. But the thing that, like, my, my impression has always been for a series that lasted over 10 years, they eventually get around to pretty much all the classic Spidey villains, but they do it as like a slow burn. Like it'll take several years to get to Venom. It'll take several years to get to Mysterio. So I had never thought of it in terms of these guys came in really quick. I just didn't think of it like that. But I think it's interesting that that's kind of like the counterpoint. That's like the opposite of how I've always perceived it. But you're not wrong in seeing it that way. Okay. And and I don't even... I don't even think it's a bad thing because I am happy as long as it makes sense that Doc Ock would be working at Oscorp. You know, they're both like brilliant scientists. It makes sense that they'd be working on the same thing. So yeah, he's a science guy. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He's a science guy. Um, so Doc Ock tries to ambush Peter for his blood and. Like com- um, comes at him with a syringe, right? Yes, I I believe so, and it's probably something I should have uh, should have written down, but I believe so. He comes at him with a syringe. Does he end up getting his blood or not? Yeah, he does. He's the pretense is, oh, this is where we look at blood samples. Let me try some of yours. You want to see what your blood is made of? And Peter's like, no thanks, and he sticks him anyways. Ah, very sneaky, very sneaky, Doc Ock. Yeah. Um and then Peter Peter runs out and oh uh, and very important they look at Peter's blood and it turns out it's stabilized so he's no long it's no longer killing Peter Parker anymore. So this makes them want to test the spider bite in a more controlled environment and at the end uh, we kind of get a little cliffhanger, but it's pretty, you know, understood that Norman Osborn is going to be the test subject of this spider bite. Um, so what what do we think is going to happen there, Zach? I think we're going to find out <laughs> real quick here. Yeah. Yeah. And if we've never read Spider-Man before, we can probably infer that uh, things are not going to go well for Norman Osborn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's kind of the inverse of if if all you go into this story knowing is, you know, the tagline with great power comes great responsibility. And from the first page, you already had bad vibes about this really powerful dude, Norman Osborn. You can just imagine what's going to happen when he gets more power. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. Do you it's kind of. When we see comic book movies now, if the hero and the villain get their powers from the exact same thing and they're just kind of opposites of each other, that's been done to death at this point. It's yeah. it's no longer, you know, now when we see that kind of stuff, we're like, that's like an early 2000s type of movie. Like, you got to move on with the times, you know. I think that's why people didn't like Morbius so much is because the hero and the villain, they're the same. They get their powers the same way. That's all to say... That's kind of what's happening in this, right? Norman and Peter are both going to get powers from the spider bite and they're going to become opposites of each other. Was that something that was kind of still a fresh take at the time? Or do you think even at that time, that was kind of, 
um, the standard of what happened in comics. I think, I think the reason you have to have it happen isn't so that they get the same powers because we're going to find out soon here that they don't get the same powers. I think the parallel there is more about their personality and what they're made of as people. And that's what makes them as equal opposites. It's that with great power, Peter chooses great great responsibility. Peter chooses great responsibility and Norman chooses more power. I like it. Okay. So do do you have anything, uh, anything you want to add to issue two? Nope. I think we got it pretty good. Um, if you're ready, I can take on issue three. Issue three. Lay, lay it on us. Let's do it. So issue three has a slightly different creative team. It's still written by Bill Jemis and Brian Michael Bendis. Still penciled by Mark Bagley. Still inked by Arc Tibet. It is colored by Marie Javins and Color Graphics. And lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicraft. So this one starts out with Norman announcing to his team that he intends to mainline Oz directly into himself to recreate Peter's accident, but take out the spider. Uh, Meanwhile, Peter and his friends go to a wrestling match and hear that there's a $500 reward for anyone who can beat Crusher Hogan. And, and it is Crusher Hogan again, which I believe is who it's been in every comic we've read so far. I think this is the third, um, origin story with a wrestler and it's always crusher hogan and i for one am upset every time it's not bone saw yeah i don't know if it's just that crusher hogan sounds like kind of an older sensibility like in in terms of wrestling names but i think bone saw was just that that one time dude that uh, it'll make me upset every time that was just perfect (laughs) so uh kong Peter's bully tries to enter the contest to fight Crusher Hogan, but the announcer tells him that the age limit is 21. So Peter goes home and creates a luchador style mask and goes back there. He jumps into the ring without even signing up or waiting to be told to. And he just beats the snot out of Crusher Hogan and collects the money and leaves. And the next day he gives the money to aunt may and uncle ben and this is i think a pretty important distinction that peter is not what i would say using his powers in a selfish manner at the moment he's using it to help out his aunt and uncle who desperately need this money isn't there some do they say some reason why uncle ben and aunt may need the money he broke flash thompson's hand and the thompsons are threatening to sue them that oh. happened in, in issue two during the fight. He just yeah. like caught a punch and broke his hand. Okay. So, so they need the money. I would say he's not using them selfish as of now, which is why if something happened, I was going to, I'm, I'm going to be upset if something happens to uncle Ben and it doesn't involve Peter using his powers unselfishly or selfishly. Yeah. Peter's a pretty good kid here. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, He gives the money to his aunt and uncle, but he does it anonymously um, with an envelope under the door. Um, And then because Flash's hand is still broken, 
the basketball coach that had been making fun of Peter earlier sees that he's gotten better at basketball and asks him to fill in on the team. And Peter initially says no, but then after seeing how mad the suggestion makes Flash Thompson, he accepts the offer. And of course, with his spider powers, he's a natural and becomes the star of the team. And did you notice anything about Peter's number that he's wearing? So Peter, was it it (laughs) thirty-two? No, it wasn't. I thought you were going to say is it thirty-one for a second because Zach and I are both from Indiana, so we're obviously big Reggie Miller fans. Reggie Miller Um, fans. But no, it's zero zero, which is the number of the spot. That was the test spider that bit him was number zero zero. So that's just kind of an interesting parallel that I'm sure they did on purpose. Well, daggum, they might have. They might have. Or maybe they were predicting the rise of Benedict Matherin 20 years earlier. (laughs) Yes, yes. Let's just... Let's just include a bunch of Pacers references. That'll be really universal that everyone will like. Yes. Uh, So throughout the issue, Mary Jane keeps coming up to Peter and trying to ask him if he wants to work on geometry homework with her, and she can never quite get through it. And when she suggests doing it on Monday, he says he has something on Monday, which is obviously his wrestling gig. And she thinks he's blowing her off. Yes. And one thing you kind of get in issue one when we're introduced to Mary Jane Watson. And now in this one specifically, she likes him. Definitely. Right. And because don't a bunch of people, Uncle Ben says, why aren't you and Mary Jane hanging out? And I think people at school are even like, oh, I didn't know what your relationship with her was like. So, you know, maybe Peter's not as much of a dork as we think he is, because it certainly seems like Mary Jane Watson is interested or vice versa. They think she's a dork because she's obviously, I mean, she's gorgeous, but Liz Allen calls her brainy Janie. And I think they kind of have this implication that maybe she's like, he's the only one up to her speed because they're both smart. Interesting. Okay. So she's kind of an outcast as well. Well, I don't know that she's an outcast because they think she's hot, but I just don't think they can relate to her because they see her as like too academic. Okay, but she can't get through geometry. Well, that's the that's the story. She just wants to hang out with Peter Parker. Yeah, she's playing the long game. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know why she wants to, but, you know, good for him that she does. Yeah. (laughs) So, um. That Monday, he goes back to his wrestling gig and the manager, the wrestling manager, gives him a new costume because he said Peter looked like a dork. And he goes <laughs> home and he tries it on and he brainstorms uh, putting a spider on the chest and adding a couple webs. And then as the issue ends, Harry walks into Norman's lab just as Norman's about to inject himself with Oz. And Norman has his assistant uh, shoo Harry away and he proceeds with the experiment. And who is the person that is doing the experiment on Norman Osborne? It was Doc Ock, right? It's Doc Ock. Yeah. Yeah, So Doc Ock and Norman Osborne working together here. Yeah. 
He's like overseeing it. All right, John, are you ready to tell the good people what happens in issue four? Um, I definitely can before we move on to that. Um, so once again, Peter, when he makes money wrestling, even that second time, he gives it to Uncle Bay, uh, Uncle May, Uncle Ben and Aunt May. So still um, acting generously, I would say, you know, they need the money. So he's just doing he's basically just got a job is what it is um, to make money for him. Okay, so issue four's creative team is uh, written by Bill Jemis and Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art Tibet and Dan Panosian, colored by JC, and lettered by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft's Troy Petri. Okay, and so issue four, we've got Spider-Man. He's fighting Crusher Hogan again. Once again, trying to make some money for his aunts and uncle who need money. And this time, instead of getting paid, they think he robbed the place. And we know that Peter obviously didn't. And then, in maybe a coincidence, a little too coincidental for my taste, but we know that another robbery happens as Peter is walking home. And Peter Parker doesn't stop the robber this time. He, he like, escapes the the wrestling area right like they have him cornered and are accusing him and like getting him to try and take his mask off and he just runs away right yes exactly which is which is probably one of the reasons that he doesn't end up stopping this robber because he's just like well forget this you know i didn't do anything i don't know why these guys are hassling me yeah he's in a bad mood and then he and he and he has changed back into his Peter Parker clothes also. So he's just normal Peter Parker. Maybe if he was in a Spider-Man outfit, he would have ended up. Uh, right now, him. it's just a wrestler outfit. Yeah, that's true. He's like, that's true. Spider luchador. Um, and 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 I said that even I'm looking at my notes now and I can see I, I don't like that. He didn't stop the robber because it's one thing to get screwed by someone and to not help them. But this mom and pop store, it's not like they were the ones yelling at him. And Zach, what would you do if like you saw two people getting robbed and the robber, like basically walked right up to you. He doesn't have a gun in his hands, by the way. And he's like right in his way, right? He's standing right in his way. What would you do? I mean, I know what I'd like to think I would do. I'd say there's a good reason I didn't get bit by a genetically modified spider. Okay, well, no, well, no, I, that leads me to okay, yeah, finish, and then and then I, that, le- yeah, I I don't think I would, you know, it, like put myself into that situation and try and stop this dude. Okay, totally respectable. But now let me ask you another question. Now let's say you have superhuman strength and you are basically invulnerable to a fight with a normal person. Now what would you do if you saw an old couple getting robbed and the guy was right in front of you without a weapon in his hand? I might have to intervene. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but I guess Peter Parker's not Spider-Man yet, so he's not ready to start intervening yet. (laughs) Um, 
but he gets home. So he, he walks past the robber. He gets home. His aunt and uncle are very upset about his grades. His, his grades are going downhill. Um, and he runs out of the house very similar to Andrew Garfield running out of the house in his movie where he slams the door and the glass breaks, except I don't think that he slams the door in the gra- and the glass breaks in, in this issue. Um, so he goes to a party that he was invited to. And here we meet Liz Allen, um, who's coming on to Peter at a party, which real again, strong. Yeah. And she's drunk. It's it's one of those things where she's just like falling over him and he's he's not interested at all, but it looks bad when Mary Jane walks in. And it and it it kind of Peter is supposed to be a dork and he has like the two best looking girls at his high school fighting over him. Full so stop. That bitch. is that's always been the most unbelievable thing to me about <laughs> any iteration of spider-man because it always happens yeah um but i guess maybe maybe that's uh maybe that's sort of a fantasy from these comic book writers who were probably the dorks (laughs) and the nerds in high school or they know it's the fantasy of the comic book readers that are the dorks and nerds of high school that's that's actually more likely i mean but Uh also you don't have to be a dork or a nerd to to realize like objectively like the the women peter surrounds himself with are beautiful like flash (laughs) flash thompson would probably want to date them yeah um uh so peter goes to this party um mary jane sees him and liz and she gets upset and and she storms out and then uncle ben finds peter and he is furious um, because he's making Aunt May worry and he's just not doing very good with his life right now. And then it made me turn into the Leo DiCaprio meme. Um, Uncle Ben gives almost the exact speech from the Andrew Garfield movie with which I really like. And also it makes me like the movie a little bit more because I think when that movie came out and uncle Ben gives a speech and he doesn't say with great power comes great responsibility. He's more says, you know, if you've, if, if you have a power, it's your responsibility to do what's right. And you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, your dad was about responsibility. He gets the and sentiment without the exact words. Exactly. And it also, you know, I think people were kind of upset with that movie because they don't say that, but they're obviously taking it from a very famous comic book run that most people who watch that movie probably just didn't, would never know. You know, I know I would never know that because I didn't read this, this comic run. Yeah. Yeah. So, he gets the speech from Uncle Ben, um, and then I guess Uncle Ben does eventually say great things will happen, and with that comes great responsibility, and Peter storms off. Um, we'll kind of we'll, we'll censor um, for our viewers, but he does use some pretty harsh language about not knowing where his dad is. I mean, the book also I, censors it. Oh, does it? 
Yeah, you don't you don't know what he's saying, but it's got like I think it's like stars and asterisks. You've got four, you've got four stars. Yeah, he says yeah. my dad knew so much. Where is he? Um, and then we see a shadowy figure, kind of breaking stuff, and Peter knows what he needs to do next. He needs to come home and apologize to Uncle Ben. Zach, what is that shadowy figure? Do we kind of know? Is that that's Green Goblin right there? Uh, my interpretation is that it's the the guy who's like scoping out the house. It's the burglar. Well, what I thought. Maybe take a look. Uh, if you've got the comic open maybe take a look at it right really quickly i think it might be i think it might be cutting to norman as green goblin like turning into the green goblin because i don't think that's a regular person i think it's a different scene but so we kind of i would say we see norman kind of transfer transforming into the green goblin and then we cut back to peter and he sees something is going on with Uncle Ben and Aunt May at the house. There's a bunch of police cars and that is where our comic ends. And we can only hope that Uncle Ben and Aunt May are, are okay. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right, by the way. I think I was mixing it up with the, um, the one we read uh, for the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then issue five, Written again by Bill Jemis and Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art Tibet, colored by JC, and lettered by Richard Starkings and Comic Crafts Wes Abbott. This one opens with Harry Osborne waking up in the middle of the night to the sound of his mother screaming. He runs out of his room and sees that his parents' room is on fire. He runs into the flames, calling out for his mother. And he sees a large, mysterious figure who hurdles a fireball at him. He dodges it and runs outside, calling for anyone to help him, while the mysterious figure disappears into the night. So what is wrong with Norman Osborn that he, he becomes this thing, and the first thing he tries to do, or he does do, is kill his wife and attempt to kill his son? <laughs> Shouldn't he have other things on his mind when all of this is happening? You know, it's almost like I dare say the Oz made him a less rational person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. But I guess what I'm saying is maybe we should have gotten a scene in the first couple issues where like him and his wife are fighting or something. I, I can see if that. that's going to be the very first thing we see about him. Cause we don't know anything. We kind of know he's not a very good dad, but we don't know yeah. if he wants to kill his son. Yeah. I, I guess my take had always been that like, you know how Peter kind of lost control of his powers and broke a desk. Maybe that's his version of breaking a desk is he accidentally okay. killed his wife. And then, you know, he maybe didn't go there to kill his wife. He maybe like went home and then the Green Goblin took over. But you're right. That's never explicitly stated. And maybe the story would be better served if it had been. It's a nitpick. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, we cut to the Parker house 
and Aunt May is talking to detectives in the living room, and Peter's there too. And she tells them that a man broke into the house trying to rob them. And in an attempt to defuse the situation, Uncle Ben tried to joke to him, and he said, you probably have more money than we do. And the robber shot him and killed him. And some interesting parallels, even in these first two scenes between Peter and Harry Osborne, because they're both kind of running into the or Harry's not running into the house, but they're both Harry's losing his mom right in front of him on the same night that Harry, that Peter is losing his father figure. So probably done purposefully, although Harry's not really set up at least right now to be like the opposite of Peter, you know, like Norman is kind of right. But there's room for them now to bond over that trauma instead of Ah, Harry just just using, using him for his grades, you know? Oh, very interesting. Okay. I got got some stuff to maybe look forward to here. (laughs) Yeah. Not saying it would happen. I'm just saying that could be the connection. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. So Peter overhears from the cops that another robber was chased into a warehouse not far from there and that they think it might be the same guy. And um, before you keep going with that, one other thing that I did really like when we are kind of seeing what happened in flashbacks, uh, what happened to Uncle Ben, we they cut that with the conversation Peter has stopping the robber from the deli so the way they write it it's very very obvious that these two things are related you know peter letting this robber go is what eventually led to the robber going to uncle ben um there's some kind of causality there and i don't know you know if if you notice this um but when we see the flashback happening of peter not stopping the deli we get extra lines that we didn't get the very first time we see it. He says things like, it's not my job, you know, or let's see if I can find exactly what he has. But yeah, he says, not my job, not my department. And he didn't say that in issue four when we originally see him not stop the robber. Oh, Um, which is fine. You know, we don't see everything that happens, uh, but it does definitely add to it and make us think like, Oh, Peter was being a bit more of a, you know, asshole than maybe he was an issue. Maybe then originally we thought he was. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you familiar with the term retcon? Yes. Yeah, that that might have been a little bit of a retcon there to, like you said, make it seem a bit more like he, you know, did something. It's his, it's his fault by, yeah. by not doing something, you know, he. He act, instead of just passively not doing something, he actively didn't do something. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good catch. So because Peter now knows where the guy's at, he runs out of the house and changes into his wrestling costume and heads to the warehouse where the police said Ben's killer is. Uh, He sneaks in and gets the jump on the killer. And while fighting him, he recognizes him uh, as the guy that was robbing the deli that he didn't stop. Um, He ties him 
around the arms and chest and throws him out the window to dangle to police. Uh, at this point, he was just using whatever rope was available to him in the warehouse because that's all he has. After leaving the warehouse, uh, he thinks back on something Uncle Ben told him, which is great things are going to happen to you in your life. And with that will come great responsibility. Ah, and this is where they intercut all the scenes together, isn't it? Because they don't just do it with Peter saying, not my job, not my department, and then Uncle Ben getting shot. They're also putting Uncle Ben's great power, great responsibility speech with all of those. Um, And I really like that. I thought it was really cinematic and it was just and it was just very well done. Oh, absolutely. And I, I really like this scene, too, because he's he's taken off his wrestling mask and he's looking at it as he's thinking about these things. And the last thing he remembers Uncle Ben saying is, do you understand about the great power, great responsibility thing? And he looks at the mask and says, I do now. Love it. That that is a perfect Peter Parker origin story. Yes, or a and then Spider-Man origin story. Yes, and just as the very, very like um, epilogue to it, he changes back to his regular clothes and walks back home. And Mary Jane is sitting there waiting for him on his porch. Ah, oh, but, and- but but that's not what initially happens. So the first thing that happens is he goes and stops. He goes and rescues someone from a fire. And then he goes and he stops a mugging. So he kind of does, he kind of saves a couple people. So he, he becomes Spider-Man and he goes and helps some people. And then he goes home and I'll let you, and I'll let you kind of. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. So he saves some people and tries to apply what uncle Ben had told him. Then the lesson that he had learned. And when he gets home, Mary Jane is waiting for him there on the doorstep. And she asks him how he's doing. And he says, I don't know. And she tells him, we are worried about you. And uh, your aunt is staying with us. And then you just have this big, heartbreaking, full page spread of um, him, like breaking down into tears and just like collapsing into her and her holding him. And that's how the origin story ends. So it really, you get that rise back up to like a, you know, the hero's journey. He realizes what his purpose is. He, he goes out and he does Spider-Man things, but the grief of uncle Ben is still there. It's still raw. It's not one of those things where the scene is over and he's done with it. He is a human being that's grieving. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading more. And and I think that what we are doing for next episode isn't a direct continuation to this, is it? No. So it's actually a little bit further along in continuity. So the um, the issues we'll be reading in episode three technically take place before the issues of episode two, but they're close enough. And I thought thematically, the fact that this is the birth of the uh, ultimate universe, I thought that is important for us to talk about pretty early on. So we're going to get a a little treat next week. I know. I'm looking forward to it. The Marvel team up issues. Yep. 
Yep. Well, well, uh, well. What do you what do you think of these five issues, Zach? I thought it was really strong. I mean, we looked at other ways that his story, origin story, has been told um, throughout the comics in our episode zero, and this is the only one where it's taken more than one issue. This was drawn out into five issues, five months of publication time, and I think most people thought it couldn't be done they thought that was going to be unnecessary because they had never seen it before but i think this really gave it room for like the interpersonal stuff to breathe and you feel like the other people in his life are real people too you know they're not just like npcs in the background yeah yep a hundred percent everything's just more fleshed out and this is def definitely just a better written origin story than what we had in the other ones and the other ones, you know, it seemed like we are just getting to Spider-Man because of Spider-Man comic. And in this one, Peter Parker is as important as Spider-Man. If that makes sense. So we're learning all about his world and yeah, it is just a more real world. It seems. Yeah. I haven't, I don't know the, the factualness of this statement, but I feel like, throughout this whole book, you're going to end up spending more time with the people in Peter's life, like uh, Mary Jane and aunt may. And, you know, even people that we would think of as more background characters, you spend more time with them than you do with, you know, him fighting villains. I feel like really get that room for the, the story and the world to kind of breathe and let itself form. Yeah. All right. Well, join us next week. We're going to do ultimate team up one through five. And I know we talked about maybe getting some X-Men in here. So, uh, you know, we might, might get to see some, some other heroes. This podcast is sponsored by the better business bureau of Indiana. You got, you you have to look up a business and find out if it's sketchy or not. The better business bureau is the way to go. That's right. And if you own a business and you would like the seal of accreditation, call the Better Business Bureau of Indiana today.